This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, so three podcasts down. Middle. Absolutely have to have trail cameras to hunt. And then the commissioner's and their decisions for why they decided to blanket trail camera ban the state of Arizona. Where are you at? Um, I think everyone that we've had on had legitimate arguments, right? Right. With, and good intentions, right? Like yep, I don't yep. think, and I can tell you right now that if you want to roll into politics, that is not how I normally roll. I, I normally think that somebody has ill intentions. Um, I don't think this is a conspiracy. I don't think this commissioner is trying to get it done just in time because they're leaving. And I don't think that, or I really don't think the trail cams are, are a legitimate, I don't think that non-transmitting trail cams, even by the listing of what technology can't do on Arizona Game and Fish website, it says technology can't allow you to scout when you're not there and you've got to go get your SD card from these trail cams. I, I, 
I, it's it's a, it's one of those tough arguments, right? Like, I don't think the conspiracy theory is happening. Um, I think there's a disagreement on whether or not trail cams are fair chase. And I think that three years from now, five years from now, um, Arizona's either going to be a pioneer or this is going to get overturned right. and, and it, they're going to get to use their trail cameras again, you know? And, yeah. um, I do, I have some like philosophical concerns, which I don't like bringing into debate because, or not philosophical, theoretical is the word I should have used. Like, I think, I know that there's times, um, that you have to pardon my puppy in the background. There's literally nothing I can do about it. So he's just going to add to the podcast. There's times that I spent more time in the field because of something that I saw on a trail cam. There's times mm -hmm. that I, you know, got up off my butt or prioritized getting out in the field because I, is, is there a potential that, that participation will drop, that people will lose their motivation because they don't Maybe. know when they travel 90 miles to hunt if there's anything there? Right. They right. don't know if, if, if that's the place they should, you know. Um, but those aren't, those aren't that's, the theoretical stuff is not legitimate topics for making regulatory decisions in my mind. And so I didn't bring that up with anyone, but. Um, and then, you know, as well as the people that listen to us regularly know um, that I do, in fact, believe in the death by a thousand cuts theory. Um, it's just what I don't know is, is this one of those thousand cuts? I don't know that. Maybe sure, it's, sure. it's a it, it's not, but it pops into my brain. Yeah. Um, but I do having talked to. Really, we got lucky and we got to kind of talk to the leaders, right? Like right. we just we just didn't talk to to average Cody that that is a hunter and wants his trail cams. We talked to the people that are kind of leading and ramrodding the pro trail cam side as well as absolutely the leaders of the anti trail cam side. Um, I firmly believe there's nobody in this that has ill intentions. Yeah, there's no there's no big brother conspiracy theory new world mm -hmm. order thing happening here. It's just they disagree on the ethics of the use of trail cams in the pursuit of game. And I like the fact that you said we talked to the leaders because one of the things that we kept getting obviously hammered by the pro trail camera side is that we were we were in the commissioner's pocket. And one, obviously not true. Two, just because we didn't take a position on the trail cameras. We were told that, you know, you guys are sellouts. You're not, you're not standing for hunters. And all of the guys that we did ask to come on the podcast that declined, I guess I have to say thank you. Because I don't think we would have gotten the quality of podcast from the leaders that you just discussed and described if we went for the, the, the general Cody on, this, on the street. Now, there was, another, there was a guy that did interact with us quite uh quite often through email, I'm not going to say his name, but he's an outfitter and he had some phenomenal information. Like he had, he took the position, like if you and I were told, what was your position? I think we'd both fall very similarly in that. If there was to be a ban, very localized, very geographic and adapt the information that came out of that appropriately. Agree? Absolutely. And so this guy, 
presented like reams of information of like how you could actually do it, how you could put it in place, how you put it regionally in place, the specific units that were that needed to be managed and and look at it and work on it and adapt it through time. So I think we would be very much in favor of that. Obviously, you know, there's big decisions to be made here. And that's and we've said this on council's occasions where we don't envy the commissioners and the commissioners are commissioners for a reason. That's why we have such amazing wildlife, as you said before, the fact that we have the Lacey Act, the Migratory Bird Act, Pittman Robertson Act, and state commissioners and commissions that look after wildlife is why we have such amazing wildlife. And these guys have to make crazy hard decisions. And one of those crazy hard decisions just happens to be looking at technology that, you know, obviously people take that one step further and say, well, if they're, tra they're, they're banned trail cameras, what's next? They're going to go after my scope. They're going to go after my rifle. They're going to go after my rangefinder. But the commissioners, you know, he almost discussed and said, no, those kinds of things are good because they make the kill more effective. They make the kill more ethical. So, yeah, on, yeah. on, the, on the flip side of that, we also live in a country where if people people have an avenue to legally confront decisions that the commission makes that they disagree with. Right. And that's right. also, that's also, a, it, it, I would argue it's probably also a reason that we have, it's maybe even a bigger reason why, why we live in the greatest country in the world. in in my opinion is um, sometimes people in power, overstep their bounds or mm -hmm. make the wrong decision even innocently um and we have we have processes to to do your best we, we have a solid process to go against that make your opinion known and get that decision changed it can be done it's not easy um thank god for dedicated people that will put their time and effort and even a lot of times their own money um into doing that so um yeah i I think it'll all work out again if Arizona was the 50th state to be doing this as an all-out ban. Um, this would be a really boring topic, and we wouldn't have put this amount of time into it. But just be, be prepared, folks. If you're uh, on no, no matter which side of this you're on, um, especially in the western parts of the country where a lot of the hunting happens on public land. I do want to note this, and I know that not much of Arizona is private land. I would be furious. Like I would actually be upset if I owned a stint of private hunting ground in Arizona that was mine. Um, and I they told me- I wonder if they will make that clarification in the, in the rulemaking process. Well, it's not rulemaking anymore. It's the enforcement procedure process or enforcement protocol process that we heard which is good, right? That this whole, this, this thing is as gray as gray can be. You couldn't make something grayer at this stage of the game. Right. But naturally, obviously, they're putting parameters on it and they're making, defi they're defining things and saying whatever, you know, that if, if it's been six months since you had a camera picture, then technically it's not take anymore. I think they'll put some sort of temporal constraint on and maybe even some spatial constraints on it. Who knows? But yeah, I think if uh, I wonder if they'll do something along the lines for private individuals. Uh, I hope so in that because I don't enforcement procedure protocol. There, there's no way that that you know, I mean, that, you know that that would be the line where I would dig in. 
right? Like that would be the line where mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. nah, you're crazy. You don't have the right to tell me that I can't mm-hmm. do this on my private ground. I would dig in there. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, I also am not- I will a- say this, go ahead. No, I'm going to switch subjects. If you wanted to stay on that, go for it. No, well, the one thing I do want to mention, it just came across my brain and I get the- What's the word I'm looking for? I get the vitriol by the local Arizona hunter who's like you and like me, who doesn't have much time to hunt, wants to maximize his time hunting, gets a public tag that he can go do, like an over-the-counter tag, and he wants to use a camera to maximize his opportunity of take in that time frame. I get that. Because, we, you know, we've typically always thought about the outfitter. And when I've spoken to a couple of outfitters, some big, notori- no, you know, notorious, not notorious, <laughs> some big outfitters in Arizona, yes, they use trail cameras, but very f- infrequently. These guys know the land so well, and they put so much time behind glass that they don't need the trail cameras. So it's the, it's the Joe Blow, right? It's the local guy. It's the guy that just... As you said, maybe it's the it's the it's to that guy that the cut actually is the deepest. The outfit is the cut doesn't mean anything. I think there's a whole ton of us that for me, I can tell you this, I'm I'm a fairly extensive, not no, I'm not. I'm I'm a small time trail cam user. And I have in the last nine years not harvested a single thing that I had a picture of. But did it make you want to hunt more? Absolutely. And most of the time, that hunting happened in locations where I didn't have cameras. It made me want to get in the field. It, like It kept me excited in the off-season, in the lead-up. And I know that's not the case for everyone. I know there's a lot of people who are using it to dramatically increase their success rates and the quality of the animal that they're taking. I get that, but it's not for me. Um, or I'm not good at it, one of the two, because I have I have... In, in over a decade, actually, haven't harvested anything that I got on trail cam. Um, but it's just part of it for me, right? Like I've got a job and a family and it, it gives me a little, I, I don't, I don't, uh, here's a scientific statistic that we'll never have, but I question what the percentage of, of harvest increase is due to trail cam usage. I think it's much more of a, it's not like a fish finder, right? Like I seriously wanted to say, what about a fish finder? Like there's never been a piece of technology ever that increased the success of harvesting an animal like the fish finder. Do you know how much Mm -hmm. time I spend trying to find fish on a lake by throwing a lure out, wondering, is there a fish there? Did they just not like my lure? The fish finder answers all those questions. And a trail doesn't the trail camera do the same thing? It tells you no, there's animals in the you, area or not. It, not the literal second you're, you're pulling the trigger. It tells you they were there at some time. In the not past. if you pattern them. In the past. Have you ever tried to pattern a western mule deer? <laughs> I have never hunted a mule deer. <laughs> yeah, they pattern in the sense that sometimes they're in that 100,000 acres and then sometimes they're in this 100,000 acres. Now, 
it, you know, and, and, and especially when you get into, I do think you'll see, I think when uh, the, well, the state of Mississippi or the state of Kansas, if they ever have this discussion, it's going to hurt hunting participation where, where, where folks have 20 acres that they can hunt. That's 150 miles away. Um, they're going to, they're going to give up. They're going to be like, well, am I going to drive out there or am I going to watch football today? And I know that's their choice. Um, but th- again, that's the theoretical or, or philosophical question of it. Well, I know we could probably talk for another hour, but I wanted to have a quick, short, sharp wrap up. Hell of yeah. a freaking topic. No, absolutely. And I, I genuinely believe there's good people on both sides. And I know there's, you know, a lot of animosity and there's some, there's some, uh, I'm not going to call them conspiracy theories. There's some things that people think that happened that were, that were underhanded or deceitful. Um, I will say that the two commissioners that I've interacted with, um, didn't give me that impression. That's the only thing I have the power to say, I think. I, I think that they think that that using trail cams is not fair chase. I, I think they really do. Um, and, yep. and they're the commissioners. That's what it boils down to. They're the commissioners. Well, as you said, I think it's going to come down to in five years' time or two years' time or whatever it is, they're either going to be pioneers or, the or day, it's going to be changed. The damn trail cams. Yep. I mean, that's that's the only that's what's going to happen, and we'll see. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Later. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. <laughs>